Welcome back to Conversations with Saruti. This is your host, Ben Saruti, here with Birds on the Black. Uh, with us today is Stu Styles, as I uh, told you guys last time. Uh, Stu, thanks so much for allowing me to use your song for the intro background music. Uh, that, that's, that's the first thing I got to say to him. Uh, it fits so well. It pumps me up every time. I literally, uh, I know I'm only nine episodes in, so maybe this won't continue, but I still listen to it at least once, or if I'm being honest, multiple times prior to recording every time to uh, to go and make another episode of the podcast. Uh, I think that alone means I almost had to have you on just to make it up to you, but there's other <laughs> great reasons to have you on anyway. Uh, how are you today, Stu? I am fantastic. Uh, anytime I can get off work this early and talk of, talk some baseball and sit and watch March Madness and have the Cardinals on the other TV, it's a pretty good afternoon. I guess everything, I'm just missing a beer. That's the only thing missing. Uh, well, I am not at your place to go grab you one, but if you want to <laughs> walk away for a minute and crack a cold one, uh, that, that's no, up to I'm, you. I'm going to work <laughs> on uh, this, this energy drink I have right now so I can stay awake, but how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. It's the last day of spring break for me. Uh, well, without kids, at least. I, I only had two of the days without kids this week. So uh, getting a couple podcasts done on those days before my life goes back to craziness tomorrow. I mean, you um, stay, you're knocking these things out left and right. Yeah. And they're awesome. I, they're I, awesome, they, by they, the way, too. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh-huh. They're therapy for me, if nothing else, even if nobody else ever listened to them. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's, it's it's nice to be able to talk baseball again, and, and uh, I missed that a lot in the last year. So, yeah, last year was was weird. It it was hard to it was hard to even kind of get into at points. Yeah. Ooh, O'Neill just made a nice catch in left field in the oh, so I think I um, think you're you're a little bit ahead of me. I think. Oh, okay. All right. Um, giving me okay, so. Though. <laughs> so obviously so special the song that uh is the background music that jeff niehaus helped uh, overlay some danny mac for me and in my intro uh so special is fantastic how did the rest of the album turn out for you um i think i think really well actually uh it's it's kind of funny how it all started i remember recording a song probably about two years ago called hate you and I really liked it, and it just felt like the start of something new for me. Like, I hadn't really made music like that. Like, I started learning how to really get in tune with, like, melodies and trying to sing and really just stepping out of the box because I felt like I was, like, in a box, and I just needed to get out and try something new. And... uh Right then, when I recorded that song, I knew that I just wanted to do a whole album pretty much like that. But uh, I think it turned out great. And I guess we'll find out on April 2nd. That's when uh, the whole album's supposed to come out. So we'll see how, uh, we'll see how people like it. It's, it's totally different. I've, I don't think I've ever done anything like this. So I think there's a song awesome. for everybody. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Apparently, I'm doing my best Abed from Community Impression there. Um, <laughs> so, how did you get changing gears completely back to more baseball and Birds on the Black stuff? How did you get recruited to do to do what you do for Birds on the Black? Um, honestly, I think I kind of recruited myself. As weird as that sounds, 
me and gifts we've always uh we've always followed each other it seems like on twitter um at least before he started birds on the or yeah before he started birds on the black up we followed each other for a couple years i'd say and we would chat every now and again not every day but you know just here and there and i think uh we always kind of chatted about my scorecards and he always wanted to do something with them and then it probably would have been opening day three years ago i want to say i remember they were opening against the mets in new york and it was like 30 minutes before first pitch maybe and i slid into his dms (laughs) and i was just like hey um i'm keeping score for all the games i know we've talk shop but if you don't have anybody doing game recaps or something along those lines I would love to do it and within 10 seconds I had a response back and he was like yep let's do it and that's that's literally how it started and that's how it's still going so awesome so (laughs) when I was growing up grabbing a scorecard at Bush 2 was one thing that my dad did to help me love the game of baseball Mm -hmm. um he would keep the visiting team and I would keep the Cardinals or vice versa, depending on which side of the aisle we were sitting. Um, my dad always got an aisle seat, no matter what. Um, Smart man. We would go so, f- <laughs> we would go so far as to intentionally park in like certain parking lots or parking garages to come up to the stadium at the correct entrance to make sure you could get that scorecard. You know, um, how long have you been doing these games? So, so it sounds like a minimum of three years since you've been doing it for Birds on the Black about yeah, that long. Um, the gifts about that long. So I actually, when I was growing up, I used to do, I used to do the same thing that you literally just laid out and described. And I, I still do the parking thing. I park in the same, same parking spot every game I go to. And I guess it's just, I'm weirdly superstitious like that, but I don't keep score at games. I used to, at a younger age, I would get the scorecard uh, by the usual entrance and walk to my seat. Um, but then as I got older, I got uh, like more detail-oriented with it and like wanted it to be and look perfect. So doing it at the game just really never panned out, and I would find myself going to the game and then coming back home two hours away and filling out the scorecard by looking at the <laughs> box score on the internet or something like that. So yeah. I've been uh, I've been keeping score for like consecutive seasons in a row now. I'd say since 2013 or 14, I have essentially probably every game. But I mean, awesome. not every game, but I'd say at least 90% of the game since then. That's really cool. Um, so, yeah, talking about like uh, traditions or uh, superstitions more. Talking about superstitions, I, I swear to you, there was one time in college where me and uh, it was me and my girlfriend at the time turned out to be my wife and like two friends and my whole family went to a game for, I, th- I think it might have been the tickets I got for my birthday that year. And we lost to the freaking Cubs that day. And uh, happy birthday. I swear. And I swear it was because, and it wasn't on my birthday. Like I got the tickets on my birthday, but it was a nice summer game. Okay. Because uh, my birthday is April 5th. So it's real close to the beginning of the year and it's always freezing. And so my parents would occasionally get me tickets for like July or something so that we could, you know, sweat at the game instead of freeze. And, um, <laughs> And we're watching the Cubs and the Cardinals and, and we lose the game. And, and I'm still to this day think it's because people were sitting in the wrong seats. We, we actually didn't get to sit in our seats that day. My family was like, some, some, some fans were already in our seats and we're like, whatever, the row two rows ahead of that is open. So we'll sit there. And that is uh, completely understandable. I do some weird things like that too. If I'm uh... <laughs> If there's people over while I'm watching a game and it's going a great direction, it's you stay in the same seat, you don't move, you're you're there. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's funny. 
now that being said, one of the most fun times I've ever had at the ballpark was one of those uh, one of those days where it's uh, just awful weather. And again, this was against the Cubs, but it was one of those games where I don't know the place was packed. It was Fourth of July weekend. Uh, buddy of mine and I went down to the old VP fair or whatever they called it at the time. I'm pretty sure it was the VP fair at the time, and went down and we were sitting, I swear to you, we were like second to last row. I mean, we had like the $4 seats or something. <laughs> we were about, we were about 800 feet from home plate in old Bush. And, and it was one of those days where the floodgates just opened from above. And by the time the game was over, we were probably one of like 2000 people left in the building. And, um, of course, we weren't sitting in our assigned seats by that point because instead of being 800 feet away, we went and sat in like the front row of the second <laughs> level uh, right behind home. Well, not right behind home plate, right behind, pretty close to right behind home plate. Like we could look directly past the catcher and see the shortstop right behind home plate. Um, and it was really cool because Renteria hit a walk-off homer and – it literally went like straight out from us. We were the only people like like we had the worst view of this home run because we couldn't <laughs> tell how far it was. We couldn't tell how far it was going to go. Like I found myself literally like watching the thirty people that were still on the left field line <laughs> to see their reaction because they could see how far it was going to go well before I could. <laughs> what uh, what year would that have been in? Oh geez, I looked it up one time. Um. Like 2001? I can look that up. No, Renteria was... A little later than that? I want to say I want to say it was his better power year. Um, so like 03? 03, 04. Well, 03 even. I don't think he hit for too much. Well, yeah, I guess they were all like 10 to 13 homers for him. Uh, actually, that first year, that 2000, he hit the most homers for us. I don't know, though. It was, yeah, was early, early aughts for sure. Edgar Renteria, I love that guy. He... He seems like the last, and I don't want to make this seem like a dig, but he seems like the last really good shortstop the Cardinals have had. Sorry, Paul DeYoung. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm tra- I mean, like we, yeah, we had Rafi for Cal, but that was the very end of his end of career. his career. Um, yeah, Eckstein had some good, but he had some good years with us, but. Yeah, I I yeah, think uh, Eckstein was my favorite player. I just true everything full game. Edgar Enteria was, I uh, he was the man. All right, so the game was I was a little off. It was not v, VP Fair weekend. I thought it was. It was July twenty eighth of two thousand two. Oh, was the walk off against the Cubs. That's awesome. I was pretty close, I guess. Uh, but we scored six in the bottom of the ninth to win 10-9, so that was kind of awesome. That's a – yeah, that's a crazy ending right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Done looking that up now. Um, <laughs> okay, so so I've only got a few more questions for you, and then we can kind of riff about whatever you want. But yeah. um, how, how's your new Nolan Arenado jersey fitting you? Because it looked gorgeous on Twitter. Um, honestly, I haven't even pulled the tag off of it or put it on yet. I think I'm gonna. <laughs> I think I'm gonna save you it. Saving it for uh, opening day. Yep, one hundred percent. That is my plan. So it's nice. it's nice. hanging in the closet, and I look at it every day, and it's it tempts me. There's some days where I do want to try it, but I think I'm just gonna wait and see what happens. All right, so how excited are you about that trade? Um, What's the best part of it for you? Because I feel like there's a lot of good parts of this trade. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, it's easily, I think it's easily the best trade in my lifetime as a Cardinal fan uh, for the organization. Like, I think it one-ups the Matt Holiday and, um, the, it kind of gives me like holiday vibes for some reason, but not in the middle of the season. Uh, but I think it's, it's exciting. You get the best third baseman in baseball. You don't give up it really anything. And they're 
paying for this first year and you get an extra year added to the to his deal uh and it sounds like he wants and to say pay for that one too yeah <laughs> insane i mean it sounds like it's like it's like highway robbery you know uh it's hard not to it's hard not to be jazzed up about this or um i mean i think about it still like multiple times a day like how did this actually happen how it's it's still unbelievable to me all right, so we've got Arenado one, Holiday two. Where's the Paul Goldschmidt deal land? Is that three, or is that further down the list? I, it, it has to be. It has to be three. Yeah, uh, and I can't believe that. I I can't believe that they have him and Arenado now, or Arenado. My fault. My bad. That's going to happen a lot this year. Oh, man. I'll say it both. Yeah, I'll say it both ways. And I think the problem is. I listen to all kinds of like replays and national broadcasts and and, and, and they, highlights and, and they call them yeah uh, yeah it's so confusing yeah so how, that's gonna how happen. How are we this far into the? How are we this far into the guy's career and, and, and nobody's <laughs> seeing it different? I feel like he's I feel like he's so quiet to where he never really mentioned it or got bothered by it or he just seems like a really chillaxed guy and just a great fit for this team like it it seems perfect it really does yeah i agree okay so one more on the trade front this is one that i know you loved a lot and i very much didn't um (laughs) where's where's the azuna trade fall for you i I figured you knew where that was going as soon as you left there Yeah, yeah yeah uh man I loved that guy. I just loved uh, his personality, and he was just goofy, and I always rooted for him. It just never seemed like he was fully healthy when he was in St. Louis, and they kind of did give up. You know, you go back and look at that deal. They, It's, yeah, I'd say uh, it's it's a loss when you look at it uh, from the full picture. But, God, that guy was just – you, you got a good – a good laugh or there was always something that you would watch every night with him that just, you were like, man, this guy makes baseball fun to watch. And that's, that's something that I feel like is missing or doesn't get shown as much, but those guys are just awesome. And they're few, few and far between. So I, I will always root for Marcelo Zuna and I hope he has a, I hope he tears the ball off the cover in Atlanta this year. Yeah, I uh, I did enjoy watching like he and and Jose Martinez and that crew in the dugout. They, oh, they, they were goofballs. they were great for a couple of years there. Yeah, goofballs. I mean, those are two of the best personalities the Cardinals have ever had. It seems like, and that that those teams had a bunch of personalities though. So those those ones really stood out though. Um, so you and I weren't on the same page on that one, but you and I seem to be on the same page on a lot of things Cardinals related. We really do. Like, I feel like I'll go to Twitter to say something and all of a sudden, the, like one of the top two things in my feed is you basically saying the exact same thing I was going to or uh, something that's been on my mind, um, okay, which happen. I mean, I mean, maybe that makes you crazy, but um, <laughs> speaking of crazy, what's one time you were like, Saruti, what in the world are you thinking? That's absolutely insane. Okay, so, you know, I don't really feel like I have a great answer for this one, but when you came to, uh, when you came to Birds on the Black, and was I already there when when you came along, or did yeah. you come on yeah, at like yeah, the same yeah. time? Okay, we might have so. been close, but I think you were already there, because I was not in the DM discussions about bringing you on, so. Okay, okay, yeah, so. That would have been, it was probably a few months after, but when you started uh, your projection series that you've been doing now for a few years, um, I had no idea that that was something you did. So when I started figuring out that you have this and you literally go through every player and you have these projections and write-ups and I'm just like, this guy can't be serious. Um, <laughs> how much time does, I mean, you know, I sit here and I'll, I'll score a baseball game and people probably think that's equally as crazy that I do 
all the games, but I mean, how much time I'm, you got school, you're, you're doing so much. I'm just like, this guy is really putting in a lot of work and they're fantastic. And I've come to realize that most of the time when I go back and look at the projections, like during the season or after the season, you're pretty spot on or relatively in the ballpark, it seems like a majority of the time. And that's super impressive. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I, I look at them and I go, whew, I, I missed on a bunch. But, yeah, it's always fun when you get them right. I feel like I feel like with Dexter Fowler, I was really close on him a lot. I don't know why. Yeah. That and one sticks out to me. I think the thing that uh, I really like the most about it, though, too, is you have three different projections, essentially. And I think it's good for uh, people to get their own sense and take that information and do what they want with it. Or uh, I just think you lay, you lay out a, you lay out a lot of quality and useful information. And one of those, it just seems like one of those is always super close on every player. Well, if I got three chances at a guy, hopefully I hit on one of them, right? <laughs> that is that is true. All right, so one thing I do want to get into, uh, a little bit at least, because I haven't really gotten to talk about this yet on one of the podcasts, um, is you and I have been on the same page about an idea that I've got that is just one of these harebrained ideas that I would I would talk to my dad about all the time. And for for background information for people not – familiar. Um, my father was born in 1950. Um, he was a pitcher growing up. He, his favorite player ever was Bob Gibson. That was like his hero, his idol, not just his favorite baseball player. Right. And so my dad grew up in this era where, you know, he, he, he was a good high school player. He was a good summer player. He went to college and played at the collegiate level, um, actually played um, pitched to uh, Joe Nolan, uh, who became a backup catcher in the majors for for quite a while with the Baltimore Orioles. Um, he had a tryout with the Cardinals at one point. Um, it was one of those where they told him that they would have signed him on the spot if he was a little younger, but he did the tryout when he was in college, not when he was in high school. That um, is really cool. Then, Back then, th- those three or four years of of of, uh, of development time made a big difference. Uh, they still do today, but but um, uh, I guess not I to, guess less so. Not to interrupt, but where did uh, no go for it? Where did your dad? Uh, where did he go to college? Uh, he went to a small college in St. Louis called Harris Stowe. It was Harris oh, Stowe yeah. Teachers College, or was, I guess it was Harris Teacher College at the time. Okay. Um, so he was a cool. teacher as well. Yeah, I, I feel yeah, like yeah. I, I feel like I knew that, but I'm, my brain is just uh, every day seems the same. So <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, but not only that, but after after college, uh, he actually threw BP for the Cardinals for one summer too. Uh, that is awesome. Back when like back when like Force was on the team, um, but. Um, I say all this to to kind of build the picture of my dad was that that kind of guy who throwing eight innings as a starting pitcher was complete failure, you know? <laughs> Had to be a complete game. Um, because you didn't go nine, right? Mm-hmm. And um and it took me a couple of years of talking to my dad about this. And before he passed back in June, I I had him convinced that that this idea might actually work. Um, and, and I feel like that that was kind of in my mind, the first hurdle I had to pass type of thing. (laughs) Um, if I could convince an old school guy, an old school guy who was a pitcher that my piggybacking idea might actually be a thing that could work. Um, that, I don't know if I could convince anybody, uh, especially people that matter, like actual pitchers or the Cardinals or free agents or anything like that, uh, being a blogger on a random website. <laughs> but 
but it's something I've thought a lot about and put a lot of time thinking and developing this and keeping stats on to see how it would work and all that. Um, but so this piggyback idea I have is something that you and I have been on the kind of the same page about. Like, I feel like you've had some buy-in that you've seen uh, from what I've written or from what we've talked about in group chat or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so it, here's the basic premise. Oh, go ahead. I've been no, talking for it, a minute. It, no, it just, I'm with you. It, it almost just makes too much sense, it, especially a year like this coming off a truncated season and you got a bunch of question marks, it seems like, in the rotation. I mean, whatever the situation with Michaelis and Kim is, it sounds like Kim is probably going to be close to ready by opening day. But uh, I just think guys like Ponce and Reyes, uh, if you want to build his innings or get him to that hundred inning plateau, I think uh, I think this is as great an idea as any to to get him there. Uh, I I'd just be interested in how you or uh, would you have certain pitchers on certain days, like a certain piggyback, like uh, like say Carlos and then Reyes, pretty much every time, or do you switch it up? Yeah. So, so basically, the whole plan would be I would I would come into the season with eight guys that I would consider starting pitchers, right? Um, and I would have them, and I would have them paired up. So four groups of two. Um, okay. That's what I was trying and, to say. And I'm. Yeah, yeah. And I would. No, no, you're fine. Um, and I would, <clears throat> I would definitely try to match those two up uh, based on stuff type of things. You know, like right. if. If it was, and I'm just trying to think this year, you know, if everybody were healthy, obviously not Hudson because he's out for the year, but, you know, Mm -hmm. if if Flaherty, Wainwright, Kim, Michaelis, Martinez, Reyes, Gant, and Ponce, those are probably the eight we're looking at unless you wanted it to be, you know, like throwing a Cabrera, right? Um, Yeah, he seems pretty... uh... Penciled into the back end of the bullpen right now to me. I, I feel like that or AAA and st- keep him stretched out as a starter. I'm not sure what they're going to do with him yet. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't they, think they want to give up on him as a starter just yet. I really don't. Yeah, he's he's still so young. It's, it's hard to do that to a guy, but uh, it just seems like uh, – it just seems like the Cardinals always see guys like that and they just – they just are, they, they see the radar gun popping and you throw hard and you're young and you're up in the bullpen and that's, that's it. And it, yeah, that kind of happened to weird. like Hicks and Helsley and Rosenthal. Yeah. And, yeah. It, right. it seems like right. it's happened for years. It's just, I, I don't know. I hope they don't. I, I'm with you. Uh, but it just seems like they kind of have them uh, slotted into the bullpen right now. Yeah. And I think they've got like, two cardinal brains conflicting on this one because their other thing right now, I feel like they're really high on trying to find a lefty starter. Yeah. Um, and now they went and got Kim and he's going to do it for at least this year, but he's only under contract this year, but they went and found Libertor and Zach Thompson and Henesis Cabrera all within like 18 months of each other. And uh, uh-huh. it could be making up that month total out of the top of back of my head here. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like they, they're still going to keep them in mind for that because of that for some reason. Yeah. Um, but anyway, whatever it is, you know, I would take a guy like, you know, Kim throws throws a little softer, comes from a lefty angle, and pair him up with uh, like an Alex Reyes who just is a fireballer. Yeah. Um, pair, up, pair up a guy like Wainwright with his curveball um, to a guy – I'm trying to think like, like maybe like Ponce who Ponce, you, you, he does have a curveball, but I, but I feel like he's that high fastball, uh, more of a cutter than a slider change up kind of guy that, that occasionally throws that curve in there. Um, so I would, yeah, I would definitely intentionally go about pairing these guys. Yeah. I think Um, that's a really smart idea. Uh, And also not to get off topic. I think, uh, I think Ponce is – I think some of his pitches this spring have looked absolutely wicked. Uh, 
he seems to be spinning the ball really well. And that little cutter you were talking about, it seems like that's even a little finer tuned and even a better pitch than I remember it being. So I'm really rooting for that guy too. Yeah, I feel like Ponce and Gant are very much underrated stuff. Yeah. Um, and Gant too. His know, stuff I, has been his stuff has been spinning really well too. Uh, spe- spe- specifically uh, with both of them, their curveballs have looked r- way better than I ever remember them being. Uh, I, I think I think what what it's going to come down to for those two is can they command the ball? Can they command the strike zone? Um, yeah, and, and that's always seemed to be the thing with Ponds. It seems like that's always what gets him yeah, in for- trouble. Both of them, I feel like both of yeah. them just get high pitch counts pretty quickly, despite yeah. all the stuff. I don't, I don't know if it's they both have so many pitches that dance that they don't know what they have control over that day. Kind of that Jaime Garcia disease, or, or what? Yeah. Um, all right, so I take these eight guys, I split up, split them up into four tandems, um, and my plan is they pitch to eighteen batters each uh you go two times through the order and and i really think i conceived this like i'm trying to remember the origin story of this sort of i'm pretty sure i conceived of this when reyes was on his way up and couldn't seem to get healthy or couldn't seem to stay healthy and waka couldn't seem to get healthy Mm -hmm. and i thought of well what if we just took this one rotation spot and paired them up together because neither of them seemed to be going more than four innings anyway. And not only that, but they're both completely dominant a couple times through the order. And not only that, but at the time, Matheny was at the helm, and we held on to that 13th pitcher for the, you know, break glass if and broken would, or whatever. And, you know, and, Yeah, just a waste of a roster spot. So if you're, so if you're not going to use them anyway – pair him up with one of the starters. Um, and so that, that was kind of the origin of this was thinking about that. And then as I went through, I started thinking about, well, yeah, having a five man rotation, you know, sometimes bullpens get a little tired. Well, what if you throw a sixth or a seventh or an eighth man at it? Well, I feel like that those concerns kind of go out the way when you do this, because if you've got two guys who are scheduled to go 36 batters into the game, you're looking at getting well into the eighth inning probably every uh-huh. game. Um, and so that's only leaving two to three outs per game over the course of the whole year for the other five guys in the bullpen, which is probably way too much. You know, you probably wouldn't right. need five bullpen guys at that point if this happens. Um, now, I think what would happen is you would almost have to keep one of them as a break glass kind of uh, break, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, keep under glass until something falls apart kind of guy, because eventually right. you're going to get one of the, one of those games where somebody goes in ending in a third. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, those game those games happen anyway. And that's why you have the bullpen. Yeah. And um, I think that that would have been absolutely perfect for uh, these Matheny managed teams too, because he would just tax the bullpen, tax the bullpen it's guys with 70 appearances every every season at least and that just I can't believe that it didn't come to uh, fruition then so I'm yeah, I'm all for it and I hope we see some some form of it this year at some point yeah so I feel like each year I keep getting more and more convinced of this and I think the last couple of years it's been because we have so many guys who are in my mind, ready to start at the major league level. And yeah. I feel like you're kind of wasting chances to get these guys playing time. Um, kind of like I've thought with the outfield for the last few years as well. Yeah. But this year, this year, especially with being unsure of how many innings pitchers can go um, and how many innings pitchers can give you, you know, that, that even if they're at their best, after throwing so little in the last calendar year and a half or so that, that maybe this would be a way to get everybody up to that, you know, hundred innings or, yeah. or more, you know, 150 innings in a more safer controlled environment. Even if this year, maybe even going 
maybe even going like five groups yeah. of two. And I mean, yeah, that would still that. be that would that would maybe get everybody to 120 innings. Now this this year, I don't know if you can go five groups at this point with Kim and Michaelis both barking already. Yeah, um, I don't know if you they have saw, the arms anymore after trading away Gallon and Alcantara and Gomber, Gomber. and Gonzalez. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have the arms to do that anymore, um, but but I still think it's an idea that's. Yeah, if they're you, not uh, at least discussing it at the major league level, then I think they're doing something wrong. When uh, do you have a schedule handy, like a Cardinal schedule in front of you for April? When do they need the? When do they even need a fifth starter? Technically, that's a great question. I am looking at because don't right they have now. like four off days in April this year? Well, they'll have two after each opening day, the first opening day and then the home opener. Right. Um, so it looks like they're off on the 2nd, the 9th, the 15th, the 22nd. So they technically could run a, get away with four, four starters, uh, I guess. I don't know how long. Uh, they play on the 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. So that's. Six games in six days there. Yeah. I don't know. As, so, as, yeah, as, I don't know. It's something that it's something to even think about even in April about piggybacking some guys. I just I would really enjoy seeing them uh use Alex Reyes in that way, especially to start the year since they're so worried about his innings right now, and I know they'll be super careful with it when the season starts too. So I think that's a way yeah, I, instead of just picking. I get real confused. Go ahead, sorry. No, you're good. Um, I get. I guess I just don't know what they're gonna do really uh, at the end of games right now too. It doesn't seem like Hicks is really uh, gonna just be like slotted into that closer role especially coming off of uh surgery and with how i mean he just started pitching to live batters uh he's had like what two outings uh against live batters yeah. so i want to say he's faced faced seven batters in in actual spring training games yeah yeah so i don't know i could see alex Reyes maybe getting the ninth um once the season starts yeah but- i could see that yeah, he's looked. I mean, he's looked phenomenal this spring too. I I think he's looked the best out of any pitcher, honestly. Uh, but I really would. I really think they need to try to get him to that hundred inning limit this year. If not, try and push it and s- see what happens. I, it's he's still so young and he's got so much in the tank. And I just use use those bullets, man. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. And I feel like if they're trying to structure and maybe they have a fabulous plan in place, you know, I'm yeah. obviously not privy to it. I'm not down in the bullpen with them. I'm not in the film room with them. Um, any, I'm not in any pitcher meetings um, just to make sure that people that are listening to this are perfectly clear. I have, I know nothing <laughs> that, they know, that they don't know, but I don't see, I don't see how anytime you're in a bullpen, that you can actually be on a schedule to pitch hundred innings because yeah. I don't, I don't feel like they're going to go. I, I don't feel like they're going to be in a position where, you know, when you're the Cardinals and you're expected to compete for the division every single year. And we've seen this year after year after year that they're going to do the best thing they can for them to win games. Um, and if that means that Reyes only gets to 80 innings because he's slotted as the closer for five of the months, or if he only gets to 60 innings, that's what's going to happen in the pen. But if you said, hey, you're starting every third day yeah. going two innings each game, you know, two innings no matter what, you know, you could have a six batter, six strikeout game going on and you're pulled because 
two days, three days from now, we need you to go two more innings. Yeah. If they really want to get him a hundred innings, that's the way to do it. Yeah. I'm, um, that's that's you, super. you can't you can't have them backing up Adam Wainwright, who could go out there and give you eight and a third on any given day. Yeah. I, you know. I or think, Jack Flaherty who could go out and throw a shutout. Yep, one hundred percent. And I think, uh, I think with uh, like Wayno right now too. You're, I mean, that guy's going to throw as many innings as he wants at this point in his career. So, kind of hard to yeah do that on his days, obviously. But yeah, I think that's really smart. And uh, I if if they want if they uh, Say they want him at the hundred inning mark. That is definitely probably the easiest way to do it, and I would love to see it. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So, just to some, some quick hitter things here. Then, uh, kind of talked to these, uh, talked about these things with Corey Sanzone yesterday um, on the or on the last podcast. Um, all right. So. Lineup. Uh, Edmund was just announced as the leadoff hitter and second baseman. Uh, they've been experimenting with Goldie and Arenado. Two, three. What are your thoughts about one, two, three there? Um, I, I, I like it. You're Mike Schilt. Is that what you do? Man, here's the thing. Before I say yes to that, I am. I'm just confused or don't really understand uh, the Dylan Carlson situation right now. Um, Cause in a perfect world, I think I would like that guy to hit number two, just uh, from his just plate recognition and just understanding the zone and he can walk switch hitter. Like I would love for that guy to bat second. And it just, it seems weird. He batted clean up in the, postseason for you and now this spring he it seems like he's not even at the top of any lineup so that's I would I would want to see Carlson too but I think if this is if that's their one two three that they want to go with uh Edmund Goldie and Arenado I'm not going to turn my head at that because you're getting you're getting your best bats up there to start the game and they're going to get the most at bats too. So that's, that's perfectly fine by me. And, gotcha. and, and Edmund's um, been having a good spring. Go, go. Edmund's yeah, been having yeah, a good spring. Especially, especially lately. I feel like he's turning it on more in the last week or so. Yeah. And not to nitpick or anything. I, because he, I guess, deserves to be a batting lead off right now with the spring he's had, but I wish he could, uh, Wish he could walk a little more and not rely so much on his hit tool for getting on base. But really, who does that matter when you're hitting 400 in spring? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have this weird thing. So I don't know. I listen to my obviously I listen to my dad a lot growing up, and um, especially when it comes to baseball and. He always talked about in the, the fifth spot of the batting order, and I've talked about this with Corey Sanzone on the podcast, but that fifth spot in the order, he always said, and my dad was a softball coach too, and so I, I'm used to like, you know, fast pitch softball, uh, girls softball. I helped him coach for years, and um, he said, you know, the way he built lineups was he wanted his fifth hitter to be that kid who – when there's two on, two out in the first inning and you need to set a tone for the game, who's going to come up in that situation and get that hit? And he doesn't want somebody who's going to strike out. you got to put the ball in play. He doesn't want somebody who's going to walk because then you're just passing the buck onto the six hitter. Uh-huh. Who's going to come up and get that hit? And just looking at walk percentages and K percentages on this team, we have a lot of high strikeout guys and we have a lot of high walk guys. Mm-hmm. And – Edmund and Molina are the two that are neither. You know, they're they're both the we're going to get on with the hit tool somehow, yep. right? Um, and strange as it is, I don't know if either of the two are what I consider like top five guys in an order. Unless I mean, unless Edmund's hitting like he did in 2019, then he's yeah. then he's perfectly fine there. Then he might be the ideal five hole hitter for this team if that's the case. But 
I don't know. I, I think one of those two almost has to be that guy if you look at it through that lens. Yeah. Um, I've, now, I think, if you've got Tyler O'Neill swinging like he is this spring, he's that guy, but yep, he I hasn't think, shown to be that guy. I think O'Neill, uh, as of right now, if trying to think like Mike Schilt, I would uh, I would say that he will probably be in that spot come opening day. Who do you think is batting four then? You think it's Paul DeYoung? Yes, and I don't agree with it by any means, but that's that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, and and I think that gets to the crux of like uh, as a Cardinals fan getting. Nolan Arnato this week, this offseason, I, I don't feel like I have the right to complain. But if there's one thing I think I was going to complain about, a lot of people are trying to figure out who to get for the fifth starter. And I don't feel like that's as big a deal for me. I feel like I like to have a top five of my batting order that I can that I can set and go, you know. Yeah. And I don't think we have that. I think we're one short. Yeah. I don't mind Edmund leading off. Uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado are definitely in that mix. I feel like between DeYoung and O'Neal and Carlson, you probably have one. Yep. But, uh, and but one more sure thing would go a long way. Yeah. And DeYoung is such a – he's such a tricky hitter to figure out because he'll, you know, he'll, he'll have a month where he's the best hitter in your lineup and then he'll have – two months where he's the worst hitter in your lineup and there's a there's really i it, it also seems like fatigue maybe has came into play the last few years with DeYoung. like he doesn't get many days off and i feel like it would i would like to see him get a few more days and see if that helps. i was i was encouraged to see edmund finish the game at short on monday uh, wow uh, was that, that not awesome reason. Uh, yeah, for for that very reason, I it's was like, very encouraged to see him playing. I short. feel like that's one of the first times I've seen Tommy Edmond even play shortstop in a in a St. Louis Cardinal uniform spring, or like he yes. he never did in the regular season. So, yeah, don't be afraid to put him there because you know DeYoung's a guy that's everybody needs a day off here and there, and there's not really that true backup, but he, I feel like he would perform much better if. He got a few days off here and there. All right, couple more questions. I don't want to keep you on here all day, even though I, I could. You know, I could just have fun talking to you all day. I think. Yeah, we but, can keep going. Um, I think I don't think I have to go back to work today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do have to. I do have to tutor somebody, but but uh, I, I don't think that's for a little while still. Um, so another question that I just thought of was. The Cardinals just announced some roster moves the other day um, when they cut Major League Camp down to 54 players. Um, I don't think there were many that took me by surprise. You know, I didn't see Lars Newtbar, Justin Turner sticking around much longer than they did. Uh, Luke and Baker, Kramer Robertson, they, neither, uh, Carlos Soto, Pedro uh, Pages, Paje Pajes, however you say that. Kyle would know how to say that name. I've always um, said it uh, Pajes, but now I feel like that's okay, wrong. That's, <laughs> well, I, I feel like that's what Kyle said as well, but and Kyle's the I'm first to with. tell you that when it when it comes to pronunciation, he has no clue, so Ooh, I have no you, idea. Did you just um, see that play by Connor? So, no, so but I'm rewinding now as we yes. talk. Yes, so, so, um, so, so Connor Jones, Griffin Roberts, Austin Warner, Garrett Williams, none of those surprised me at all. Um, and those were all guys that were assigned to minor league camp, reassigned. Yeah. The two guys they optioned, I was kind of surprised to see them option out. Um, like Junior Fernandez this early, he was a guy who stuck around the major league roster for a bit last year. Yeah. And to see him gone before 54 other guy, you know, before before they had to cut 28 more players. Yeah. Surprised uh, the heck out of me. Very unfortunate because I – I've really always rooted for that guy too, and he's had you know his injury trouble in in the past, and it just seems like I don't know. It just seems like the command hasn't been there even uh even last year, uh pitching out of the bullpen late in the year and stuff. It just seems like his command on everything is kind of just gone. Um, yeah, and maybe that's it. Maybe they're 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 getting a look at him there to see what iron out some. Uh... Some, some and 
even a Johan Kazada, that's he's he's the other guy on the forty man that got optioned, right? Yes, and that was the other guy I was going to bring up. I was quite surprised. I feel like he looked really good the couple times I saw him. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he can he can really throw it, and he's. A, I didn't realize how big he was until watching him pitch on TV. That guy is a tank. He is a massive human being. Yeah. He, he's he's playing left tackle if if, if they <laughs> turn into the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, I, I know, right? Giant. Don't the Chiefs um, need some tackles? <laughs> oh man! Give, give them a call. Uh, well, I think we I think we got one sign, but I think they're still looking for a left tackle. And uh, uh, yeah. Oh, you got my guy too. I think Kazana. I think Kazana could uh, could protect uh, protect Mahomes' blindside as well as anybody. Could <laughs> yeah, he um, needs that. um all right i complete oh and and, uh, sorry with quezada i was trying to think of where i was going with that his his slider looked a lot better than i thought it would yeah Um, yeah it was one where being six nine and 580 or 20 whatever he is for real (laughs) 260 280 the dude's just massive and you figure the fastball would be pretty hard, especially if he says he wants to be the right-handed Randy Johnson, and it was. But the slider looked a lot better than I thought it would, especially for a guy who's been – I think he's on his third team in like three months of baseball season. Yeah, um, and I and I love those guys because it seems like he's pretty much just that fastball slider pitcher. Uh, I mean, going to be a, probably a pretty good piece for a bullpen here pretty soon or depending on injuries and, or what happens, so – yeah, I I like those uh I like those fastball slider guys. Um so speaking of another guy who is kind of one of those, you know, can find him on waivers, can lose him on waivers, can maybe find him on waivers the next day type of guys. Nabil Krismat last year for the Cardinals. I'm kind of surprised they let him go with how he threw. Yeah, he 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 had a really good end of the season. It seemed like he wasn't and you know, he didn't really like seem to wow you with any of his stuff. It seemed like he sat, you know, right at ninety, low nineties, but he got guys out. It it kind of reminded yeah. me of like a right-handed version of Tyler Webb or something. Yeah. Yes, it really did. That's exactly what it reminds me of. I feel like okay. Yeah. So, just looking back, okay. So he he has four pitches, uh, fastball sinker. Curveball change, so not a fastball slider guy. So I don't know why my brain just went to him, but his curveball was none really of them good. Le- yeah, and he threw none of them less than twenty percent of the time. You know, uh, yeah. he threw like the sinker and four seamer twenty to twenty one percent of the time, the curveball twenty three percent of the time, and the changeup thirty six percent of the time. He had a forty percent whiff rate on that changeup, which is why he threw it so often. I'm sure. Um, nothing over 90 on average, um, which is probably why he keeps bouncing around because teams don't believe in pitchability. They believe in throw the ball hard now, I feel yep. like. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I might have to take a look and, or have Matt Graves over at, uh, Redbird Daily or something, or Redbird Rants. Matty Take Ice. a look at, yeah, take a look at spin-based movement versus observed movement because he he's kind of got that seam-shifted wake stuff down a lot better than I do. But, yeah. man, he he just got people out. He had a .84 whip. He had a 3.24 ERA. Um, is, he, uh, is he still technically, I guess, unsigned, or did he go back to – No, I think, I think the Padres picked him up, actually. Oh, okay. Of course. Well <laughs> – yeah, yeah, yeah. They pick I'm sure, up. I'm sure he'll have a, another career year there. <laughs> but, I mean, granted, it was only eight and a third innings, but he struck out eight in those eight and a third without throwing hardly any pitches above 90 miles an hour. He yeah. walked one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He got ground wow. balls. The average, average launch angle was 1.3 degrees, so he got ground balls. Man, I just uh, – he was one I'm I'm not sure why they let him go. And they're still sitting there with, I think, 38-man on the 40-man roster at the moment. Yeah, should be with only those two pitchers optioned. So, I, um, 
I'm kind of intrigued at uh, this backup middle infield spot because Ron Dome's been hitting the ball really well this spring, but I feel like it's kind of tricky with Sosa since he has no options left, and I don't really think you want to send that guy through waivers because I definitely think he would be claimed. Um, yes, I agree. And yeah, I think not only that, but but he's your only option other than Ryan yeah. right now, I feel like. I don't think Kramer Robertson's ready yet. I don't think Evan yeah. Mendoza's ready yet. I don't yeah. think Max Maroff is ready. Um, and really, Rondon plays shortstop kind of like a, I made this joke yesterday, but kind of like Jairo Munoz yeah. plays shortstop. Yeah. Um, I think I would or, rather see or, him just play yeah. second base if he's going to make the roster. I'd rather see Rondon there. But that's the thing with Sosa. You can get away with him anywhere on that infield. Yes, agreed. Um, so, what do you do for the twenty? Well, uh, let's start with the thirteen men on the position player side. Um, yeah. You're, you, I think you've got eleven locks at this point, um, unless Justin Williams is not given the fourth option year. Um, if he which, is, which when, I th- when do they figure that out? Why has that not been determined yet? That's kind of weird to me. <laughs> Uh, I think the answer to that is because MLB, but I don't Okay, know. well, then that makes um, sense. You don't have to say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yachty and Kisner are your catchers. Uh, your infield is uh, Arnado DeYoung, Edmund, Goldschmidt, Carpenter. So, that's five, adding up to seven. Your four outfielders are Thomas, Carlson, Bader, and O'Neill. And I think we're down to four sp- – uh, two spots for four people. I think it comes down to Justin Williams, Edmundo Sosa, Jose Rondon, and John Nagowski at this point. I'm I don't so glad think anybody that... else is going to make it. Yeah, don't even say that one name. Just don't say it. <laughs> okay, so if it comes down to those four, who are you taking? If it comes down to those Doesn't... four. Yeah. I'm not going to lead you. Go oh. ahead. You, you just run with that. I'm... I have to, I have to take Sosa just because of his glove. It's going to play anywhere, and that's what I want. And because and, we know he doesn't have an option here. Yeah, correct. And that's that's just a that's literally the definition of a backup middle infielder to me. Like I want a guy that's obviously better with the glove anyway. So yeah, and the no option plays into that. And then I'm really. I think they just stick. I I think I have to, I don't know. This is so tough. It's, <laughs> it's right. so tough. It's and, Nagowski or Williams for me, I guess. Okay. I don't you, think you don't Ronda, take Rondo. Yeah. I I just I thought he was playing his way onto this roster, but it just seems like it just seems like Sosa is gonna get the job for the reasons we've already discussed. So yeah. I just think having both those guys on, it's kind of redundant. So I don't know. So you're taking the lefty, you're taking the lefty with promise or you're taking uh, the, the righty who only plays first base. And see, that's what I, that's what I don't like about this situation that I got myself in. Uh, well, and I don't think you got yourself in it. I think this is kind of what everybody's looking at. It yeah. should be as, as far as, how the roster is going to be constructed this year. You know, Justin Williams, he's taken some really impressive at-bats to me uh, this spring. It, it kind of started off slow, but his he he can really – he has some quick hands, especially on those inside pitches. He can really turn around on it. And I just – I don't know how I feel about carrying five outfielders when you already have four that – all four of them can probably play all three outfield spots. Uh, I, but I really want to see Justin Williams on this team. Like I really want him to get a chance, and I think he does. Yeah, John Larue, go ahead. I think he just does more for me. Looking at the whole situation, than what John Nagowski would do. Nagowski would be, he, he's never going to start but he could give you a damn good bat off the bench because he's been he's had a good spring too and it seems i don't know i'm yeah i feel like he could be he could be your best bench bat for 
one time 162 games this year, you know, like he could get yeah. 162 plate appearances and just hit once a game whenever you pull the pitcher. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. and be that best bat off the bench. And he and does I feel like, like he's, he's his strike zone knowledge is good enough. And I feel like he's old enough and experienced enough with all of his time in the minors that, that being a bench bat might not be the worst thing for him. Whereas I feel like, like Corey yesterday, Corey yesterday, if I can speak English, um, said he, he, he takes a look at Williams swing and it seems like Williams is very much a timing guy. Yeah. And I agree. If he's, if he's batting once a day or twice a week or something that he might look more like Tyler O'Neill did when he was batting twice a week, um, which for those of you not paying attention the last couple of years, that means not very good on those yeah. occasional appearances. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I, I, I think best case scenario is Williams gets to start every day in AAA and is called up as soon as somebody's hurt or hurting. Um, yeah, I guess because, I'll have a better, yeah, uh, I guess I'll have a better understanding of which, which of those two I would take once they figure everything out about this fourth option year with Williams. Right, right, right. That makes sense. But all right. So last question for you before I let you go, then let's transition to the pitching staff. Um, yeah. Uh, if Kim's not ready, so right now we're looking at, uh, Flaherty, Wayno, Kim, uh, and Carlos are probably your, your four starters that we know for sure. Um, if Kim is ready to go, are you leaning towards Ponce or Gant as that fifth starter? Knowing that they're going to keep Reyes out of that spot. Um, jeez. I mean, granted, it may come down to both of them if Kim can't start the year, but if Kim can. I think, as of right now, I would give it to Ponce. Only because we've seen John Gant and how good he is out of the pen the past few years that I just think he's kind of found his little niche or his little role on the team and he can still give you multiple innings out of that spot. And I just, I don't, if Ponce is going to be on the roster, like he's got to start, like there's no reason to have him coming out of the pen unless we go back to a piggybacking type of situation, but in which maybe both play in the same day, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think I give it to Ponce as of right now. I think he would be my, quote-unquote, fifth starter as of right now. Okay. Interesting. And I, I think I go the opposite. And it, I, I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know if it's because I think Gant can get deeper into games maybe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know why. I, I do like me some Ponce, but Gant's pitches seem to be – Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to go against to that. Too. Yeah, his stuff um, has looked unbelievable. And I feel like I feel like maybe he's put in the time with the team too that 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 he comes to spring every year ready to start and they they keep putting him in the bullpen role the last couple of years and and making him ride the Memphis shuttle a couple of years ago that maybe maybe it's just his turn and I hate when things if that was the only reason I would hate it but I feel like when it's in conjunction with him maybe throwing some of the best that he's ever thrown right now. I think I give it to him. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you can go wrong. I'm whichever they choose, I am going to love it because I am a fan of both those guys. So, and they both look yeah. they they both looked the part this spring, so I don't think there's really a wrong decision when you go about it. Fair enough. All right. Well, Stu, it was great talking to you for a first time on the podcast. I hope to have you back at some point, even if it's just analyzing some games a couple weeks into the year or something after you finish up some scorecards. Yep. You just let me know. I would be down to come back whenever it was. Thank you for having me and thanks for asking. And I'm glad uh, I'm glad we got this done a week before we were technically supposed to get it done. So. (laughs) <laughs> yeah me that's, too just uh with it being spring break it works out better for me <laughs> oh yeah and i'm gonna be super right. busy these next few weeks anyway so it, it was better to get it 
get it done today. Awesome. Well, uh, back to where we started here. Thank you again for letting me use the uh, intro to the podcast. I'm actually going to put that as an outro on this one as well, so that uh, now that you've listened all the way through this, you can hear Stu Styles one more time. Um, everybody, uh, until next time, have a wonderful week. is caught. It's history. A Cardinals four-game sweep of the Cubs at Wrigley for the first time since 1921. St. Louis back in the postseason. First time since 2015. A Wrigley Field massacre. And how sweet it is. And Bader launches one out to deep left. In the big left lane and he hit the painting. He hit the painting for Fred Bird. You've got to-